Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to one of these years. I almost said the beat, but that's not what this is. This is one of these years, the Detroit Lions podcast here on you're the too, Athletic. You have too many pods, man. You have too many I pods. don't even, I haven't been on that show in years. Like, it's been like more than a year and a half now. But anyway, I'm, of course, Nick Bumgarner, <laughs> along with Colton Pouncey. It's free agency, uh, off-season, draft season. We're in the middle. Uh, maybe that's why I'm all twisted up today. We're in the middle, right between free agency is, you know, starting to wrap up here, Colton. The draft is now about to take center stage for the next couple weeks. Uh, a lot to talk about today. How are we doing, first of all? Yeah, a lot to talk about. Um, doing well. Um, got some big stuff in the works. Uh, we just wrapped up our, our beat, writer, beat writer mock draft, which we'll yeah. get to later in the episode. I've got a feature I've been working on that uh, pretty, pretty proud. Pretty proud of it. Excited for you guys all to read yeah. it. Um, and just kind of, you know, come on. We got uh, owner's meetings next week in Arizona, so I'll be out there. That's right. I don't know mm-hmm. if we'll be able to record. Well, I'll, I'll, how long are you out there then next week? I'll be there Sunday through Wednesday. So okay. So about, yeah. Well, we should be fine then. We'll, Wednesday. We'll, we'll get one in. Well, that'll be interesting because there's always a few things that uh, rattle out uh, there. We get more intel sometimes on uh, you know maybe if some teams want to move around in the draft uh, that sometimes will pop out. And I think you know how these quarterbacks sort out how teams kind of view everything. So yeah, that's like the combine for people that wear ties. <laughs> <laughs> that Does that make sense? It's like the, they just all go there and like talk about, you know, that's all it is. It's the same thing as anything else. It's just a big convention or whatever. But any event, uh, I did want to start here this week. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much of uh, what Colton has coming later in the week, but uh, Lions free agency wrapped up, kind of wrapped up this week. I'm sure they'll still add some more, but the big, big signing that we'll start off with here is uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. Um, who, of course, you and I have been talking about uh, as a fit for the Lions for at least a year, probably longer than that, uh, quite honestly. Um, and just because, not just be, not just because uh, of his relationship with Aaron Glenn, which we can talk about, uh, but because two things, they need a player like him, just a player that does the things that he can do or brings the things that he can bring to a table or to a team. And then they need a voice like him. They need a voice like him. They need, this is where it really gets tough because you're graduating from not to like, don't be totally uh, about Jamal. You're graduating from the Jamal thing where remember he used to talk about if you're a puppy, you know, stay on the porch, no more puppies. There's no more questions. Now you need real dogs. Now you need real dogs on defense that will go out there and not be afraid of anything. And that's, what he is. I thought it was a terrific signing. I thought it was perfect. Um, I was kind of wondering if they would do, I actually almost had no doubt they were going to do it. <laughs> like I, I, I really didn't. I, the only thing that made me think about it was when Slay started uh, getting mad there. It seemed that Patricia was coming back to the Eagles and maybe he wouldn't. So I wondered about that, but the minute that that looked like it was going to go back, I figured this was too perfect to pass up. You're 
I would ask you the same thing, your thoughts on the signing in general, and then how do you think the whole thing fits? Yeah, I guess the longer it got into free agency and he hadn't yet signed a deal, you're, you're kind of wondering, all right, what's happening here? Like, what's going on? What's What teams are is he looking at? Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't see this coming. Like, I didn't know if the – obviously, the fit was there. I just didn't think the Lions were going to were gonna pull off. Yeah. And what the price would have to be. To, to well, yes, happen. that's so, fair. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably more my question. Like, I'm sure he was looking for a multi-year deal, um, right. probably somewhere in like the maybe $10 million range. And they'd already given out some contracts to Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley. So I just wasn't sure they wanted to make another, you know, multi-year investment in, in a defensive back this offseason and free agency. Um, turns out uh, they got him on a one-year deal. Right. Uh, you can call it a prove a deal. I don't really understand. I mean, it's hard what to. Does have, yeah, what does he have to right. prove? What is he doing uh, yeah, exactly? Right, like, exactly. That's a great point. <laughs> um, maybe teams were just kind of <laughs> scared off by you know his big personality, but obviously he's reuniting with a coach who you know has always accepted that that part of mm-hmm. him, um, dating back to high school. And he kind of talked about this when he was up there um, at his introductory press conference. He met Aaron Glenn at a recruiting event, the opening held at Nike's campus in Oregon. Right. Um, as a teenager, he's a four-star prospect, uncommitted at the time. Was walking around these fields with this, you know, chest puffed out. Like he was really good like, too. I remember. Like saying, mm-hmm. yeah. And he was. Now I, I watched some tape from that. He was like breaking on passes. He was getting in yep. the faces of like every receiver, letting them know that he had just gotten them. And you know, you could see it back then. He was like 16, 17 years old. So Aaron Glenn was at that event. He was helping as a as a volunteer coach. Who's I think he was with the Browns at the time. Yeah, he was just getting started. Was, I think. Yeah. Yep. It's a coach. It was like 2015. Yeah. So before the Saints, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees this kid, talented, but like <laughs> mouthing off to everyone there. Uh, and he honestly didn't have a problem with that part of it. It was more, you know, you're not following the instructions that I'm giving you, like your proper technique, what I want you to do on this assignment. Like you're just kind of abandoning all right. the coaching from this NFL right. assistant. Yes. He's doing his own thing because he thought he was the best one out there. Exactly. So that's what Glenn had a problem with. It wasn't. It wasn't the attitude. It wasn't the personality. It wasn't the, the play style on the field. Like that, it was more technique and fundamentals and all that stuff. Cause he's trying to get the most out of him. He sees mm-hmm. So after a few times of reminding him, like, I need you to do this my way, he <laughs> he benched him because Gardner Johnson <laughs> was not listening. So he sat him on the bench for multiple games at like this huge recruiting event. So yeah. after a while, he like kind of came to him and was like, Hey, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I'll do it your way. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's usually how it goes, right? You uh-huh. get the NFL coach, and they, yeah. I was going to be the kid that, that apologizes. So, yeah, um, they kind of maintained this relationship for years, and I think that's what paved the way for the signing. Like when the market wasn't really there for him, um, they kind of reviewed some options, and well, I best believe Aaron Glenn was monitoring his situation the entire time. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like this is the guy that he told Sean Payton in that <sighs> 2019 draft. The Saints had picked number 116 and uh, Gardner Johnson, they thought he was going like second round. Glenn had a first round grade on him. They thought he was going to you know, be drafted before they even had a chance to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fourth round starts, he's sitting there. They're like, we got to go up and get him. So AG texted Sean Payton and said, this is our guy. Like, yeah. you need to go up and get him now. So they traded up for this dude in a year where they didn't have a lot of picks. And I think that kind of speaks volumes to – not only how much influence Glenn had in St. Louis, but how much he wanted Garner Johnson in the mix and kind of the player he saw fitting into his defense, um, you know, his secondary in New Orleans. So when they had a chance to reunite here in, in Detroit, 
Oh, yeah. It didn't take much convincing. Those dudes have a long relationship. They still would talk even though they went their separate ways after that. Um, and Glenn told him at the end of his rookie year, knowing one day he would get a defensive coordinator job, when I get you in the future, you're going to be exactly where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so cool to hear. Um, talk, talking to some of those dudes a little yeah. bit for a story later this week. Um, so I think just the fit is perfect. Like, you know, the nickel, he'll probably play nickel in this defense. Um, you know, I just think the relationship they have is what really kind of ignited this reunion. And, you know, I think they're both, they both are pretty happy that it, that it worked out this way. Yeah. I really, I really do feel like when you look back at it with full hindsight, like Aaron Glenn was a young coach when he met him, right. He was, and it's the first guy that I think in some ways, cause he was starting to, you know, that was one of the first young guys he was around at that time that had real talent. I watched I watched him in college a couple times live. He's he's incredible. The, you know, the ball instincts, uh, the way he can close on the ball, the way he can go get it. It's a lot like Kirby, but he can also do things in the slot and do some. I mean, he's a really, really good, tough, does everything football player that scares people because he's so loud, like because he's just brash and he doesn't care. And he's just overly like whatever. And if you are with him. And on the field with him in some ways, and this has been a problem for him in the NFL sometimes, depending on who he's with, like he doesn't tolerate it if you're not up to level, if you're not doing, he doesn't tolerate it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we'll see it when we go out there for practice. He will wear you out. Like, it won't be the coaches anymore that are doing it. And like, that's, I think in so many ways, um, CJ Gardner Johnson is like, became the like definition of what Aaron Glenn tells himself he's looking for in a defensive back when he scouts him today right now. Like I think that he is, I think he's the prototype of everything that he looks for in a safety, either safety, a corner, any of the three corners. Right. Am I wrong? Yep. You've done more research on this than me. That's what it's always felt like to me ever since the first time I ever met Aaron, like it, that's felt like yep. that from day one. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. And I, and I sat down with Aaron, um, on Tuesday afternoon and just peppered him with questions for like 30 yeah. minutes, like everything that was on my mind about this dude, <laughs> how he approaches the DBs. Like I was curious because he's talked about it a little bit, but we had a chance to kind of go in depth there and I'll, I'll, I'll read you this quote. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Um, he said, I asked him about not only what he saw in Gardner Johnson when he was coming out of the draft, but also just like the way he views DBs and like what you need to, what you need to be a successful DB in the right. state. Because he has been one, like yes, a pro corner. for a long time. Yeah, like he's been in the <laughs> when it was time. hard, when it was hard, when it was really when freaking it was hard. hard. Yeah, <laughs> still is, still is. I shouldn't say that, yes. but yes, go ahead. And so this is what he told me about Gardner Johnson, and I think it it can relate to you know most cornerbacks with that similar mindset. He likens him to Jalen Ramsey, Marshawn Lattimore, you know some of other guys that he's been around in the past. And he said, man. Just the personality. You watch him on tape. You see the fire, the passion, the love for the game. That intrigues me about anybody. The technical stuff, I can help you with. I can teach that. But some of the stuff, that's just self-ingrained. It's just in you. That's just who you are. I I always say you want a dog to bite when he come out the womb. <laughs> that's That to me was awesome. You don't want to teach him to bite. He bit when he came out the womb. Yeah. That like that's right. that's how he views that position. Like you don't you can't teach that. And you know, we talked about that a little bit with maybe Akuda and yeah, 100%. how sometimes he almost thinks too much and you have to have a short memory. And I think it's a, it's a combination of that confidence in your game and the mentality and the short memory that makes a corner great in term, you know, alongside the physical attributes and everything else that comes with that. So that is kind of how he breaks down that position. 
Um, that's something he saw in Gardner Johnson. He's coming out of the draft. That scared some teams away. That's probably why he fell. Um, yeah. AG went up to get him because of that. Yeah. And I think that kind of speaks to, you know, the type of play that he believes that Gardner Johnson is and the type of player that he's getting now for his Detroit defense that's trying to take a leap here. Yeah, that's all called, you know, more or less football confidence, like as a player, like the ability to – and corners and quarterbacks really are the two that have to have it more than anybody. They have to have it like like – like uh, magnified out 17 times, right? Like this is from concentrate. You have to have the heavy stuff. You have to have, everybody has to have enough football confidence to be able to go out there and let it rip without thinking. That's every position, right? Uh, Even at, even at lower levels of the game, or you're never going to make it because the game is literally decided in quarters of seconds, corners and quarterbacks, but maybe even more so in today's game corners. uh, I mean, it's, it's not it's not a learned skill. I think I think he's right. I think it's something that has to be in there. It can be developed. It's a de- it can be a skill that's developed and brought out. I used to hear that from coaches all the time like we're banging on this guy trying to get him to like that's what the light switch conversation always was like get him to understand like how this really works in a corner you know after a while you can either see it or you don't. The guys that these guys love the coach are the ones that show it to you without you even asking. You know what I mean? The guys that you have to bench mm-hmm. until it's shut up. Uh, Jerry Jacobs, great case example. Um, I think it was like the third practice of his first camp, the first day they put pads on, he got into a fight, a fist fight with like four people. And I had two people from the Lions tell me that guy's making the team. Third day. He was like, <laughs> I yeah. called him the walk-on and look at him now. <laughs> like they said, he's making the team. I don't care if he can cover anybody. If Aaron Glenn sees this guy on film tonight fighting for veterans, He's going to be like, who's this? Put him in the front of the line tomorrow. And then, and that's what they did. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how they coach. And I think CJ for them defensively is going to help everyone across the board, bring that out and bring that sort of confidence out in themselves. I think Tracy had that a little bit, but he, I mm-hmm. think also needs someone to help him too, though. You know what I mean? So he I does. just thought it was a perfect signing. And I think all those guys can kind of play together to a degree. And I think, CJ's versatility allows that, you know what I mean? Like position wise, so many things he can do. First of all, over under two and a half camp fights for uh, <laughs> CJ. <laughs> Probably. Or maybe he's like, maybe he'll be refing a couple, right? Like I could see him starting yeah. a few. Like that's the yeah. other. I could see him <laughs> starting a couple between a few other guys, you know, five. But, I don't know. But, <laughs> but honestly, like I, I truly feel like this locker room needs that. Like, yeah, there are a lot totally. of there are a lot of nice dudes on this team. Yep, and I know people they've they've emphasized character and everything like that, which is which is good. And that's not to suggest that Gardner Johnson isn't a high character dude because I mm-hmm. think what often gets misunderstood with him, people confuse like his play style, like chirping that at a player. Um, I, when I kind of look at what he means to this Lions team. In this locker room and the young guys in there, he's going to try to bring them along. Um, I think Glenn sees Gardner Johnson, Cam Sutton, Tracy Walker, Kirby Joseph. He's kind of collecting these guys that have that mentality that are kind of wired that way. Um, didn't have it when he first got to Detroit. Um, three years in, he's starting to collect some pieces. And he he mentioned those guys and Jerry Jacobs as, yeah. you know, guys that have that mentality. So um, I think from where he's coming along and, and the you know, the, the pieces that they're bringing in right now, this is all intentional. Like, Oh, yeah. Glenn has known some of these guys for years. He's known Cam Sutton and, and Mosley for years. Like he told me that he went on 
the Saints used to do like an SEC tour before the draft, um, just to get a feel for some prospects. Mm-hmm. And that's where he first met Cam Sutton. Um, Emmanuel Mosley was on that Tennessee team. So these guys that they're bringing in, they're got they're AG guys. Like that that's yeah, kind play. of been my takeaway. These guys that he knows, guys that play the the, st- the brand of football that he wants to play. Good in man coverage, they're versatile. They have that mentality. So um, I look at what they've done with the secondary, and I think Gardner Johnson's like a perfect fit, and he sees himself kind of um, leading those young dudes. He told me if if a young guy like Kirby makes a mistake, you know, and he's dwelling on it after a game, he wants him to be able to call him and be like, "Yep, yep," and like put on me. Like, there's miscommunication. I'll take the blame for it. Like, just keep moving, keep pushing forward. Don't dwell on it. That's where you get in trouble. So a guy like that is perfect for this new locker room, and he's gonna be he's gonna play with some edge, right? We've seen like. Mm-hmm. Brad Holmes wearing the villain jersey, the villain sweatshirt. Like that's, I think that's what they're kind of trying to establish this offseason. So yeah. that's a dude that can help you get there and push your locker room forward. And you know he's been around some some high character vets in, in New Orleans and and with the with the Eagles there too. So he kind of knows what an established locker room looks like, and he's going to try to add that to Detroit now. I think that uh, it probably isn't a stretch to say that if someone like him or him specifically, was here last year, Aubrey Pleasant would still have a job in Detroit. I think that it would have worked out. The things that happened that ended up, you know what I mean? The things that happened that ended up sort of messing that whole thing up, they didn't have that. They didn't have that. They had too many young guys who were just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I can say anything. I don't know if I can't say anything. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Tracy's not here, and even he was a little bit like, I don't know what I can say, right? Like, if if we're being honest. So that's really the hugest part of that. Cause that's like, that's what bugs was for the defensive line last year. That's what Anzalone is for linebackers. That's what, you know what I mean? Like that's what those guys are for every position and they didn't have that. And now he does. And now it's like, not only are it's all, you got what you want, but like they're going to get coached harder. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be good for everybody because now it's going to be up. It's going to be like, there's no more excuses for anyone. There really wasn't before, but all these guys that we talk about every week on this show, like Okuda is one of them, of course, because we're talking about these DBs. Like it's time, time to go. We yeah. we have to see it, or you got to go because we are wasting time with you now. Otherwise, so I think that's been the message, uh, especially defensively, as we take that away. Offensively, we talked about the the additions uh, earlier with uh, Montgomery and moving on from Jamal. Um, the offensive line additions here have also been. Uh, in free agency anyway, have been not expensive, but have been really good as Graham Glasgow comes back. Uh, never wanted to leave in the first place, of course, but, you know, he, <laughs> Patricia and Bob Quinn did not like him for he many reasons. He's bitter, he's bitter about that. He didn't <laughs> yep, and he should be bitter about that. I I said, Chris and I talked about that back then. What they did with him and that guard rotation was bullshit, and they tried to mess with his money, and it was wrong, and he got paid. He ended up getting $10 million from Denver, and, and it all worked out, I think, for him in the end. But happy for him that he's back. You saw Graham there the other day out there in Allen Park. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's a, like yes. a genuinely nice guy. Everybody has their whatevers, but Graham is a good dude and a smart guy who said some really telling things, I thought. Did you, did you not – were you not taken aback a little bit by that? I want to be here – and I want to be part of this, like yes. for a guy that was here two years ago <laughs> to say that, yep. like, that's crazy. But that blew that kind of, it didn't blow me away because I know Graham's situation, but if you didn't know it, like, I'd be like, holy shit, that's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, the way things ended, like, 
if he just never wanted to play for this franchise again, it's yes. totally understandable, right? Yes, yes. And yet here he is a few years later, and he had options. Like he, you know, right. when he was released, um, you know, his agent came to him with some teams. I think the 49ers were involved. I think the Panthers were involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, hey, see if Detroit's interested. Like, right. What's it going to See take? if they want me. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason for that is, uh, again, he never wanted to leave in the first place, but also he sees how – you know, this team has come along in a couple of years now. Uh, wants to play with his friends. Like, he's still close to the lot of dudes in the locker yeah, room. They, Frank kind, of, and those they kind of grew up together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that offensive line. So, when he had a chance to, to come back and kind of form this reunion, he took it. And the Lions, I think, upgraded with him in, in oh. place. Like, he's sort of the Evan Brown replacement. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Evan Brown, like, you know, we've talked about this. It's time for Evan to go center. start. Yeah. It's time for Evan yeah. to go and be a starter. a chance to go start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even uh, the Seahawks. GM uh, John Schneider, he said he's a guard or he, sorry, he's a center. He's a center. He's a starter. Um, yeah, I was talking with Michael Sean uh, this week on their show, and I said the same thing. I'm like, it's time for him to go. He's going to be good. Yeah, and they're, they're excited about getting him, and, and that's a good opportunity for Evan out there playing mm-hmm. center for, for the uh, Seahawks. But at the same time, if he were to come back with the Lions, you have to think, you know, he, he we saw him play at guard. He had some success. And, like he's a in other areas. Yeah, he's a center, and you're put when you put a center at guard. Over, and you're asking him to do that, like over the course of the whole season, there's going to be some issues there. So now they bring in uh, Glasgow and man, like talking about him as a depth piece that can oh. slot in pretty much anywhere in the interior. Like that's great value for what they're paying him like four or 4.5 million. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, they restructured Vitae. So Vitae sticking around. You don't really have to. That's great too. Yeah. Pressure to go. Like they should probably still draft a young offensive lineman, but yeah, I would. now that need isn't like, as glaring as it was, because when we all considered Vitae like gone or, or like, you know, here he is back on a really cheap salary, really low cap hit, um, can project as a starter. And now you have Glasgow, uh, Glasgow backing him up. So I think what they've done with that move, again, like it's hard to find, you know, too many issues with what they've done this offseason. No, um, it's been really good. If anything, they're, they have to be considered one of the winners of free agency. Oh, absolutely. The they made and. I mean, honestly, man, like they might not be done. Like, yeah, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. That's why I didn't want to close the book here. Yeah, no, they're still creating some room. I think they have like 26, 27 million as of, just, as of right now. Yeah, Vitae just cleared up a bunch. Yeah. So I don't know if they have something planned, well, man. And here's the other thing, like, too, Colton. I would say, yeah, here's the other thing, too, I would say about the offensive line. Then we'll hit the break and talk draft a little bit. Is now. Not only I agree with you, you, Evan, it was time for him to go, and I wouldn't have wanted to try to get into a bidding war there anyway, and he needs to go start. Uh, So that's great for him. And then for Glasgow, it's an upgrade because, not necessarily because maybe he's not a better center than Evan Brown, but like Graham is a, can be a guard who can play center if Frank gets hurt or whatever. Yes. Um, When I covered Graham in college, he at one point, I believe, repped at every single spot on the offensive line, center right tackle, left guard, everything. Uh, one of those years, I think he was going to be a starting tackle. And then he ended up getting in trouble and had to sit out spring or something like that and the whole thing, whatever. But my point is, is that he's repped every spot. He knows how to play everything. He was an old walk-on, uh, the son of doctors, <laughs> two doctors, right? Really <laughs> smart guy. If you bring in a young draft pick who's like rough around the edges, between him and Vitae and Decker and Frank and Fraley, you are now sitting on a learning environment. Like we talked last year about when they brought in uh, Easy, uh, you know, the length. Yep. You know, they didn't get rid of him, right? He's still in there. They're still trying to yep. make something out of him. 
I, I think that you'll you'll see them still invest in linemen like that in the draft, probably. But I wouldn't be shocked if they take some toolsy guys that are a ways off and be like, hey, maybe we can throw them in the soup and see if these guys can because Graham will do that. He won't care. Like that's you know, Vitae's already proven that he will. So I think that's mm-hmm. where you really gain benefit that's sort of unseen and uh, pretty cheap too, because those guys both came in on deals and I think that they're probably worth more than that in the locker room and everything else, right? Like at the end of the day. Yeah. I think the my biggest takeaway is that if they do draft a young lineman, they don't have to rush that person. Ooh. Like nope. We we've been talking about, you know, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Yeah. And how he could fit, and how you could probably start him day one. And I don't know if you need that. Eventually. You don't. No. You really don't. If Vitae stick around, right? So yeah, or Graham, whatever, whoever like wins that. it. Yeah, right, right. You, you like whether Vitae was here or not, bringing in Glasgow, uh, kind of, you know, I guess a, what it does for you, it allows you to be patient with the young offensive linemen. So yeah. they can still do that. They can kick it down the road for another year. Like they have options, and that's what right. they've been doing. They're creating. They're creating so many options for themselves with the they draft really are, based yeah. on what they've done at Breeds. And yeah. we'll get to that in a second because they can do, pretty much do whatever they want in the <laughs> 2023 NFL draft, which is pretty fascinating considering where they were like a year ago. We will do that. Let's take, let's take a break here, and then we'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about the uh, beat writer draft, some of the misconceptions here, uh, some of the anger <laughs> that people have. And then we'll uh, see if we can't make it worse. But anyway, stick with us. We'll be right back after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, we're back. Another episode of One of These Years. 
Got some more Lions draft talk uh, here, especially after the uh, Athletics' always entertaining beat writer mock draft that comes out uh, a couple times. There's going to be another one, ladies and gentlemen, so I hope you didn't get your fill on this bad boy before it's all said and done. I don't know what the <laughs> final theme will be. I think this one, you didn't get to trade the first time, right? This time you did get to trade. Is it correct? No, we were allowed to trade both times. Trade both actually. times? Okay, so trades in both times. So um, this one worked out different, uh, but... It, Different and not different, but also interesting, I guess we'll say. We'll get to the interesting part in a second. But walk me through, yeah. Colton, um, the, walk me through the first pick, like the scenario that you were looking at um, as the board <clears throat> continues to sort of shift with these quarterbacks. Uh, how are we looking at the top five here, and what were you looking at at number six? Yeah, so uh, obviously you have the Carolina Panthers at one. They're trading up to get their quarterback in the future. Um, Panthers writer Joe Person Selected C.J. Stroud, one. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Texans at two selected Bryce Young. Now, at three, the Cardinals, I assume they were going to trade back. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, our Raiders writer, Tashawn Reed, has been doing everything he he could (laughs) to try to get uh, Anthony Richardson. So, not going to lie, I was kind of like banking on that. Uh, I was too, actually. Yeah, I don't know how that didn't happen. Yeah, so (laughs) in my head, I'm like, okay. Sean's going to go up to get Richardson. Right. Richardson will be three. The Colts absolutely are taking a quarterback. Yeah. So probably Levis at fourth. And then you have the Seahawks, who, you know, probably go defense there. Uh, maybe that's Anderson. Maybe they prefer Tyree. I wasn't really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I knew I was I was going to have one of, you know, Anderson, Tyree, or maybe Jalen Carter. If Jill I Carter. Could, could stomach that. You know? Yeah, right. Um, so uh, anyway... The Cardinals, after feeling some offers, stayed put and drafted Will Anderson. Uh, I didn't even make an offer. Like I, I thought about maybe going up to get Will, but I kind of figured he might be there at six. Maybe there's a chance I don't have to. That'd be kind of cool to see it play out that, that way. So mm-hmm. I just kind of stayed put for the, for the sake of the exercise. So Will Anderson went third. Uh, Richardson went fourth to the Colts. And a kind of a surprise at five, Jalen Carter to the Seahawks. And if you're talking about pure talent, Makes sense. Arguably the top player in the draft, falling to five. I get it. Um, I did. I just. I. I kind of wondered if the Seahawks would do it. We've gone back and forth about this. Uh, like, I, I think don't know. They They've will. taken some risks in the past. I and, think they you know, will. Yeah. This feels like another one that they could. I. I, I noticed some Seahawks in the comments. Seahawks fans saying like, "We'll never take Jalen Carter." I'll do this. Yeah. Well. I don't know. So they did though. Michael uh, did, right? He, Michael Sean did. They did. Yeah. So there you go. You got the two top defensive guys and the top three quarterbacks all off the board. So at six, I kind of offered up that pick just to see what was out there. I wasn't sure if I was going to do it for sure. Right. Um, I put like two hours and nobody like. <laughs> nobody wants know. Levis. Nobody Everyone's wants afraid Levis, of Levis. Right? Everyone is now afraid. They, got, so they, I, were, done. they were afraid of Richard. So I thought. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, go ahead. Yeah. Or so I thought, because I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to stay put at six. And honestly, I've done Christian Gonzalez a lot at six. And yeah, I think yeah, it'd yeah, be still yeah, an yeah. option there if they stay put. Sure. But at the same time, I'm just like, they just signed two let's guys change too. it up. And, let's and, change it up just for the yeah. sake of this. They signed two corners. Right. You know, so I, I took Tyree Wilson. And I'm like, all right, this makes sense. You get a guy that you can put in the opposite end of uh, Hutchinson. Right. Play that big end role. Let Open eight up. Pass yep. Rush guy. Yep. So I'm like, that's a great fit opposite him. And honestly, like Charles Harris and Romeo are entering the final mm-hmm. year of their contract. So it's kind of like the same like cornerback where there's not a ton of dudes under contract for 2024. Um, 
you know, and that's a really good young piece that you can add at a premium position. So that yeah. made sense to me. Um, so I did that. And then at seven, the Vikings yeah, and exactly. Alec Lewis, who I went Brains to do with, that's my guy, like <laughs> hung out like every day at the combine. Like that's my, that's my dude. Just he trades up you. from 23 to seven <laughs> with the Raiders of all teams. Like that team could still use a quarterback. They trade yeah, down. What is Deshaun? Pick up. <laughs> I think that was more a, a Vic move. Than Vic said, we're not getting like, the quarterback you wanted, so I'm taking over is what that Vic was. Vic must yeah. be so out on, on lettuce that he's just I think like, he is. He wants, not. We're punting until 2024. I think he wants them to take a corner badly. And I think they probably that yeah. probably means they will. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah. And he, he probably sees the 2024 quarterback class as a yes. better option than getting QB4, which I right. yet. So he's they, right. Yeah. They got 2024 first um, for this deal. The Vikings go get their quarterback in the future. Will Levis at seven. And you're right. The Raiders actually traded up from 23 to 16 to get uh, Devin Witherspoon. So they did end up getting That's right. And they got the guy they wanted anyway. Yeah. So that works out. So so that's what happened at at six of the lines. We stuck with Tyree. And then immediately after the Vikings got their their successor, Kirk Cousins, (laughs) and gave up the farm for him. (laughs) I don't know about all that. I don't know if that's going to happen. But in any event... I would say a couple things. If if the Lions, we've talked about this for several months. If the Lions, uh, worst case scenario, leave the first round or the first six picks with Tyree Wilson, uh, I'm okay with that. That's pretty okay. I'm fine. You know, like that's a that's a guy that fits a spot and is versatile and can play a couple different things. And sort of like Aiden, I'm not as versatile as Aiden, but sort of like Aiden can do and wear different hats and wear multiple hats. Um, so I like that. If that's the worst case scenario and that's the BPA, boom, let's do it. The question, though, that comes up, and it's going to keep coming up, two parts. And I agree with you that it's not a, it's not out of the realm of possibility Will, Will Anderson slips. I doubt it. Right. Um, the more likely one would be Jalen Carter. And yeah. I would not eliminate uh, the Lions taking Jalen Carter. At all, I wouldn't eliminate I wouldn't, it. I even either. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even blink about eliminating it, right? Because we just talked about this with the secondary, with what they just brought in with CJ to help the secondary. But not only that, the defensive line and the front seven is actually a position where they have guys that are veterans and pros and like well-respected people. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jalen Carter. You know, the situation that he's got himself in legally is not good. Um, it doesn't look good on anything or reflect well on anything that, you know, is going on about him, whatever, one way or the other, right? Um, but also at the mm-hmm. same time, he's going through a horrible situation where two of his friends just died, right? Yep. Uh, he's a mess, mm-hmm. um, and it's not going well, as we saw at the uh, at the pro day there. It didn't go, you know, his workouts weren't well, nothing else. I, I got to tell you, I haven't heard – I'm not a Jalen Carter expert. Georgia keeps these things pretty well under wraps. But I haven't heard anybody tell me this is a bad dude. I have yet to hear anyone tell me this is a bad seed. Do not take him. He is an asshole. Like, I just have not heard that. I've heard he's a big, giant kid. He's a big, giant kid who made a horrible mistake and is now, like, in, in kind of a problem here in a mess. And, like, we'll see how he comes out of it. But when I hear that, more often than not, I think a lot of these teams, and the Lions included, Seahawks included, they're going to do their own research, of course. I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. they're going to know more about this than I ever would dream to. And I wrote that this morning in Chris and I's thing that we wrote about, 
uh, some of these topics is that every NFL team, Lions included, need to go beyond whatever Georgia tells them and beyond whatever the Georgia police tell them and do real investigative work on what happened here and everything there is to see about Jalen Carter. And if that comes out as he's a kid who made a horrible, stupid mistake and is now super horribly, you know, torn up about it and doesn't know what to do. I could probably work with that. Like, I can probably work with that. Right. Like, and so I did want to bring that up because I want to get your opinion on it. See how far off base maybe you think, or if you agree with me that I wouldn't rule it out for the lions. I'm, I'm we're a couple weeks now away from the combine. I tell you, I haven't heard a ton to tell me that Jalen Carter is a horrible, horrible person who should never get a chance. I, I have not heard that. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> the floor is yours, Colton. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think this is where I stood after the pro day. Um, obviously coming off the legal situation, you know, mm-hmm. having a warrant out, having to leave the combine, then coming to his pro day, you know, nine pounds heavier. Looks like he's, you know, very sluggish doing these drills and right not going man, well. like man that was n- none of that was a good look and yeah, i was not happy that they let him do it honestly probably yeah. yeah i mean if he's going through stuff and that's what it is like right. i don't know if that's you know maybe have a private workout like you know De- i think Devin Wisburn is doing that like a, yeah and if people have a problem with it whatever <laughs> like that's what yeah, i would see you know what whatever I mean? you're gonna people like us complain carter. about it whatever yeah like, if jalen carter says i'm gonna have a private workout in like april like everyone's <laughs> exactly. still showing up to that so yes. maybe they should have done that if that's if that's what it was i think so but honestly like i'm watching that from far i'm just like nothing about the situation screams jalen carter detroit lion like mm-hmm. he's a dan campbell guy like that None of the what's happening right now, like, would suggest that's true. that. And that's kind of where I was until Tuesday. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Talking to AG. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we discussed was that Saints locker room and what it was like back then. He was kind of, you know, overseeing that group and things like that. And he mentioned that was a locker room that was always going to police itself. Because they had built Every that day. thing yeah. in a way where you had veterans like Cam Jordan and, and Drew Brees and Malcolm Jenkins and all these dudes that had been there, knew what they knew what it was about. And if there was anyone that was new coming into that situation, they let them know this is how we do things here in New Orleans. You either get with it or you get lost. Like that, that's what it was. Yep. And so talking to AG, here's a quote he said. I would say that anytime you have a set culture. <laughs> And anytime you have veterans that push the agenda and push that culture, you can just about bring anybody within your locker room. It doesn't mean that you want to, but you can't because that person will weed himself out. Either he can conform or he's going to be alienated by those guys. And he said, football becomes really, really fun when the players police the locker room, when the players police the action on the field to where it's not like we have to cut you. You're going to cut yourself because you're going to stick out like it's like a sore thumb. And so he said that. And he said, there's not a lot of dudes that he can't be around. Like in this, he's been doing this football thing for a long time. There have not been many dudes that he has not been able to make it work with. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying all that. And some of it was about Gardner Johnson and his fit. And like, you know how people question his character. Sure. And he, yeah. you know, he, he put a lot of that to, to rest. And that's been a topic of this week. Yeah. It has. Um, and I think if anything, he's going to, Gardner Johnson's going to help that Lions locker room more than he's going to you know, mm-hmm. hurt it. Like people might suggest. But as he's saying all this, I could not help but think 
about yeah, Jalen right. Carter. I know. I know. Like, if they can make it work with that dude and and get the most out of him, that locker room, and he and he did say the Lions locker room is inching closer and closer to what he had in New Orleans. And that mm-hmm. was something that he and Campbell uh, specifically wanted to do those first few years as they're building that thing. And he knew it was going to take time, but he knew they were going to take their lumps. Um, but they feel like they're in a position now where that locker room is so much stronger. They've got the culture in place, the foundation laid. So now they can start maybe chance- taking some chances on some guys that they might not have in year one, in year two, and here they are in year three uh, with playoff expectations, with a number six pick in the draft, with one of the top defensive players potentially staring them down at six. And maybe they don't take him, but if they do, I guarantee you it's because they feel confident about what they have in place to get the most out of him and maximize his on-field potential while also making sure he's taken care of off the field. Yeah. So I think that's where I'm at now. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they pass him still just because of that. And he's sitting yeah. there like I mean, we'll see what turns up the, when they look at him, you know. What they've done, but that's that's kind of where I'm sitting at this point in time. This is uh, you know, there's only so many buckets that you can like put a team into in terms of like how do they how do they run their team? That's for me. And for me, it's like you either fall into one of these categories. Okay, Colton, you're a Belichick team, you you run your team like Belichick, you're this like <laughs> soulless talent evaluation overcomes everything, right? Uh, you are a Bill Walsh slash Mike Shanahan type team, uh, and we all know what that is, or you're a Bill Parcells team. And the Lions are a Bill Parcells football team now. That's what they are. They are run by two guys who were Bill Parcells guys, two guys that he loved, two guys that when Bill Parcells took the Cowboys job, when he came back out of coaching, one of the first people he called was Dan Campbell. And Aaron Glenn was also brought in, or I think he might have already been there shortly thereafter. Uh, because that's how he was. And if you think all the way back, and I know you're younger than me, Colton, there's a pretty famous New York giant uh, by the name of Lawrence Taylor, who had a pretty good football career, who was kind of a mess off the field in every single conceivable way. And all of the people in that locker room loved him and would take a bullet for him or whatever. They loved him because it was a family. They took care of each other. And like you're just saying, they made it work. They figured it out. I, I would not rule this out for by any stretch of the imagination because I think these guys, uh, I think Campbell would say the same thing to you that AG just said. Like, there's not too many guys I can't work. I can't work with. There's not too many people that I can't. If you love football, if we find that out about you and you truly love the game and you really want to work, we will give you a chance if you have the talent to do it. Um, And if not, like you said, you're going to tell on yourself, and it's not going to be. Now the question then becomes: Do you want to do that with a guy at six? You know, you do that with a guy at ninety. You know, okay, cool. Maybe even 18. <laughs> yeah. Six, yeah. you know, I don't know. And that's that's where that thing ends. But anyway, that's an interesting conversation. Move forward to the next pick, 18. And I can't remember exactly how yes. that shook out. It didn't shake out the way I think we maybe thought it was going to shake out for you. But you end up with Deontay Banks, who is a very good, uh, and I think a first-round corner. I think there's a lot of first-round corners that haven't gotten a lot of love this year. Banks, I think, is that tell us a little bit about banks and then also a situation that you uh you had going into uh, that pick yeah honestly the more i get into the process i i think i like banks a little bit more than joey porter jr um yeah, banks is nice that's just me uh yeah. i like him a lot man he's got everything you look for like he can play man coverage he's got length he's six six feet tall um ran a four three five forty a 42 inch vertical like mm-hmm. yep great he, he checks all those boxes i don't i'm kind of surprised like 
maybe it's on on me a little bit, but you know, haven't done enough digging on him and focusing on the top three guys. But I, I am kind of surprised that he's not discussed in that same discussion as Gonzalez and Witherspoon and, and JBJ. But I think he's getting there. You know, Dane's always been been yeah. higher on him than most, and um, you know, looking there at eighteen, the situation, the way it worked out, I was eyeing Devin Witherspoon. Right, because I feel like he might fall a little bit just because of the hamstring thing. People don't know. Right, you he's know, not working I, out. He's yeah, got, he's got some sort of showcase. I think in early April is what they're saying. But you know, until then, it's kind of like, jeez, oh, okay, he's not really talked in at like he's not talked about. as like, yeah, he fell. Know, he, yeah, so you're right. Gonzalez killed it at so the combine, like, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to see, and even in this, in this uh, B writer mock, uh, Joey Porter Jr. went 14th to the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're going for a corner, like they obviously pass on, on Witherspoon. Right. Uh, Packers went tight end at 15, which is 16. Possible. I was like, maybe the commanders would, would want a corner there. I'm not really sure what they even want to do in this draft, but exactly. Uh, they, yeah. they actually traded down and I'm just that was like, a Oh, great trade. That was the maybe best move of the draft by Ben. I, I, yeah. That was a really nice move. Ben knows what he's doing out there. Yeah. Uh, he traded. He traded uh, 16 and 193 to the Raiders for number 23, number 70, and 174. Oh, that's so, so good. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good deal. You Savvy move down, by what, Ben. Seven spots and pick up a, a third. Yeah, yep. so I, I like that move a lot for them. But what I don't like is the Raiders trading up to get Witherspoon. Right. So the dream of him falling to 18 was dead right there. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can go can see here. We do need like a defensive tackle. He goes 17 to the Steelers, right? Right. In front of me. Exactly. Like at this point, I'm considering Brian Branch because I like him a lot, but also I think Garner Johnson. Yeah, I think he probably takes him off the table. He he takes him off the table. I don't think you need that right now. Uh, And and who knows? Maybe Garner Johnson, you know, signs long term. Maybe they find that fit. Yeah. Maybe. And you don't have to worry about the spot for, Mm -hmm. for a while. I consider offensive tackle and that guard, you know, versatility. So I was looking at Darnell Wright a little bit because uh, I think he can play some guard and I think he can obviously carry out to tackle when you need him to. Um, obviously with Baitai coming back now, that changed some things. So I'm kind of glad I didn't go that route, but they could still use a young guy, I think. Um, and then another guy I was looking at was two more guys, offensive players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bijan, yep. of course. Have to consider him. I, I'm still not like out on that. I just like to present different options. With oh yeah, mom. yeah, yeah, yep. Every time we do it, very possible. Um, and then another guy who actually didn't get drafted at all in the first round that I was looking at was Quentin Johnston. Um, he fell out. Okay, yeah, people, are people are smartening up. People are smartening up. I like it. I mean, I know he's got go issues. High. They're not going to go high. I'd be I don't think they are. That's not a good receiver class. Um, it's not. It's not explosive. We'll say at least at the top. At yeah, the top, right? Um, good players, but not like. Yeah, I agree. So, I pass on him. He ends up falling out of the first round. So I'm just like, all right. So maybe that was good after yeah. all. Um, so I ended up going banks and sticking there. Uh, but I was monitoring some other positions. I was, I was looking at tight end. I didn't know if. Uh, you know, right. I, the only tight end that I like in the first round, and they're, they're, don't get me wrong, it's a really good tight end class, like one of the best we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I don't think all these tight ends fit what the Lions want of the tight ends. I think there's one that's clear guy. That's a great guy. point. Yeah. There's one clear guy, and I think that's Darnell Washington. If they took him at 18, mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I wouldn't what either. I did here. No. What I did here 
and we discussed this, I, you know, our little Slack group chat, you mean Chris, mm-hmm. I want to do something like, and don't get me like, I'm not doing this just to create headlines, but like, I know I tweeted out, like a, a funny meme with it, but that's just cause like, I thought, I, I thought the meme was funny more than like, yeah, right. I try to stir up drama here or like, well, and it, and it like, did that anyway without your intent. Yeah. Right. I was going to say like, people are going to see it regardless of me mad at me. So let me just get ahead of it. So that's right. more of what that was. Right. But I did this because I like Washington a lot. So what happened was uh, 27 came around. For, for those who wanted Bijan, he was gone by pick 26, the Dallas Cowboys, which, holy shit, if that yeah, happens. Man. man, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Chris has suggested I trade up to 25 to try to get him, get Bijan before. But again, for me, I just didn't want to take Bijan again because I took him at 18 in the last. That's right. Mock. So I, was, I was trying but to also possible, different options. Right. But, but also, that's possible. also possible. Yeah. What I learned with this is that the Lions have the assets to move back. Into Absolutely. The if they want. Like, yep. The value matches up perfectly in, in so many ways with some of these deals. So if Brad Holmes wants to do that, if he likes a guy, like he can absolutely pull it off. Like that's kind of my takeaway from this whole thing. And mm-hmm. I'm glad I kind of pre- presented this as an option just to put it out there. Because if it does happen, you know, we'll do our victory laps like we always do. Yeah, and, uh, right. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun. I, I so, plan. Um, yeah, I I agree because I'm glad you did it too because it's like for the exact reason you just said because it shows you that while it may not be Darnell Washington, that's the player that they who knows maybe it is, but maybe it's somebody else. Maybe they love some. You know, we did not think last year it was Jameson, but that's who it was. Right. And if that guy is like sticking out, they're they can go back up and get him. It's it doesn't have to be moving 18. They can use some of the picks. People keep forgetting often here, not everybody, but a lot of people are forgetting that how many picks the Lions have. They have a lot of day two draft picks. And yep. you know, better picks are better picks. It just is what it is. I mean, they're in position to start doing that now. Uh, I think that yep. free agency has sort of shown us that. Like these guys are guys you're bringing in to win games. Like you said earlier, we, right. earlier, you're bringing in culture. Now you're bringing in guys to win games. Like that's what you're trying to do. So I don't hate that if that's something that you want to do. And I also am glad you did it because it allows us to talk about tight ends and it allows us to talk about why most people have no idea what the value in a tight end is uh, for a few different reasons. Um, one, the historical draft numbers are what they are on where tight ends have been picked and all that. Uh, and two... Well, I guess it's probably three. Two, there are multiple types of tight ends. There are multiple like versions. There are guys that can do three things. There are guys that can do two things. There are guys that can do one thing. There are guys that can do two well, one badly. Right? Like that's how a tight end is. That's the diversity of the position. And not all created equally. Right. And and maybe more than any other spot on the field, there are like at least three, maybe four types of tight ends. And four or three, I should say, as I'm numbering myself out of. order here uh most college teams 85 percent of college teams 90 percent of college teams either do not know how to use a tight end or don't give a shit how to use a yep. tight end and they don't do it so tight yep. ends that come out unless you went to wisconsin michigan notre dame georgia and that might be it like that you aren't good or you're kind of lost and Iowa would be the other one. Like, there's not that many teams that really value it. And it is a super important position in the NFL. Like, I can't tell you how many old 
big time successful players, quarterbacks, receivers, linemen who have told me like the tight ends are the smartest guys in the team. They know everything. They know everything about the run game. They know everything about the pass game. They have a hand in every single thing we do. And as the game gets faster and spreads out, that pivot spot in the middle, the big fast guy becomes, what does he become? He becomes your most unique and maybe most important player. Within the next 10 years, people are going to see this. It's starting to happen more and more. But the general population is still way, way too caught up on like, never, ever draft a tight end in the first round. Like, oh, and like usage, they get all caught up in usage. Like people were caught in their feelings last year when the Lions traded Hawkinson because he was a plus player. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? What does that mean, plus player? Well, he can make a lot of catches. I don't give a shit. They don't need him to make a lot of catches. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like it's all in relation to what, you sort of need, and you really do with this tight end conversation, you have to look really deep at it. And every single player yeah. is different because it's a really hard position to sort of like wrap your head around. And I, yeah. I think that no, it's a great conversation. I agree. And you mentioned how people were in their feelings about the hot trade and like, oh, why would we trade him? He was a first round pick. Like he could have been part of the future. <laughs> like people, people said that last year. I know. You're yeah. like, I mean, this is a good deal for them. Like I like what it they was. did to get that the pick swap and everything. So, but at the same time, I almost feel like we've gone too far in the other direction. Cause yeah, I, I wrote a story putting together some stats about like their tight end usage. And I think uh, when Hawk was here, uh, there's some like golf targeted tight ends, like 20% of time. And that, w- that dropped like 12%. So, right. Cause he was I, sucking up a lot of air. Yeah. The usage went down. Um, obviously everyone knows that the stats with the, with the touchdowns that caught nine of them after Hawkinson was traded. They set a franchise record for you know touchdowns by tight ends. Mm-hmm. This mini approach really worked for them. So I think people see that and they're like, oh, we're set at this position. We don't have to do anything. And maybe they like the community approach in Detroit, maybe. Yeah. But I also don't think like they're sat. I I, I really don't think they're satisfied with that position. No. <laughs> I no, they would there's no way they've closed the book on it. Absolutely. And not. and you know, I've seen some people suggest that because they traded Hawk. They don't value this regime doesn't value tight ends. And let me tell you this their head coach is literally a former tight end. Yeah. What the their hell? offensive coordinator coached the position before this. Right. They have a former player who like was drafted in the same class as Campbell, who is now their tight ends coach, Steve Hyde. <laughs> That's right, Steve. Hyde. All these all these minds <laughs> that are former tight ends on their offensive staff. And you're gonna tell me they don't value tight ends, that they're happy right. trotting out like undrafted free agents and <laughs> you know, all these random play like no, dude, that's they not get what it, it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> they get it. And yeah. to get a guy like Darnell Washington, um, who, again, he comes from one of those programs that knows how to use tight ends. So yes. I think he's got a really good education in what it means to do NFL things at that right. position. Right. So you're already getting that as, as your base. Then you bring him into the mix with Ben Johnson and a guy that knows how to create mismatches and – and get the most out of players and put them in you know positions to succeed. And a guy like Dan Campbell, who's coached the position and played the position and and also understands that, you get him with those two dudes working together. I'm trying to imagine this dude just like swinging out, you know, being a lead blocker for Montgomery. Oh, I know, right? Or Swift on, on an outside run. I'm trying to picture him as 
you know, how they use Matt Nelson as like this. Yeah, you just put him next end. to Sewell and let, let's party. Put <laughs> Penny Sewell and Darnell Washington next to each other? Are you kidding me? You're ridiculous. Yeah. They're like interchangeable you're not, parts. You're not stopping that. You're not stopping that. Like, come on. Like, what are you even talking about? Like, that dude. No, not two yards or less. You're not. <laughs> yeah, right. Nope. Like, everyone talks about Jamal's touchdowns. They're going to, Montgomery might have 25 touchdowns with that dude blocking for him. Like, <laughs> Oh so, my god! Yeah, I look at I look at the ways that can you and also over the, the things that he can do over the middle. You know, just yeah, you can catch it up to him in the, yeah. in the red zone. He's six seven with he can jump out the gym. Like I look at this player, and again, it's not like this for every tight end. And right. I think there's a difference between the conversation we're having. Like drafting a tight end in the top ten might not work out for you. I get why people are scared by this. This is the third first round pick. I, I'm taking him at twenty seven. This was the trade I traded forty eight yeah. and fifty five. Um, and also, and this was like kind of a separate thing, but I also traded my two six um, for twenty seven and one thirty seven in the fifth round. Right. So basically, like the Lions give you more value if you just do it like forty eight and fifty five for twenty seven. But I'm getting more value on the other end with one, pick one thirty seven in exchange for the two six. So when you when you really break it down by value, the Lions are giving up two hundred thirty three points. The Bills are giving up two hundred thirty two points. It's near identical yeah. value for all the people telling me it was a, you know, we gave up too much. It's, it's literally equal value. So yeah. um, I, I understand why people are hesitant by a tight end, but I'm trying to just imagine the ways that this offense would look with Darnell Washington. Yeah. I agree. Um, and it's scary. And like, he's everything that they want out of that tight end position. And, you know, again, I don't think they necessarily needed a guy like TJ Hawkinson. I think that's the difference. Right. It's like receiving tight end. who's not going to do the dirty work. Like, that's not really what they wanted. They didn't feel like paying that dude $14 million a year when they have other needs. So that's why right. they moved on from him. And that doesn't mean the they difference don't value in, yep. this position. Right. It means they just didn't have their guy. Didn't and have so their a guy. move like this gets them their guy. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, And you can argue, I'd rather keep the second round picks and try to keep building elsewhere. Totally understand that. I just did this for the sake of this exercise, and I think it kind of highlights a player that I would have my eye on if I were the Lions. Um, doesn't mean they're going to do it. I'm not like reporting anything. This was just a fun exercise for like, 10 draft. <laughs> and like I tweeted, if you let these mock drafts ruin your day, you need to go outside and oh, grass. Yeah, man. Everything will be okay. I promise you. I promise yeah, you. We got bigger problems out there. <laughs> Who's the kid? Uh what I always forget his name because there was another kid with the same uh the Utah tight end. Um Dalton. Is it Kincaid or Schultz? Something. I was Kincaid. Kid, yeah, Kincaid. Yeah. He went, Schultz he went is a, Schultz is the kid. Concept. Yeah. Uh Sh- yeah. So he went to uh Green Bay took him at 15 there in the mock, right? So he goes 15, yep. and, and then Mayer goes 20-something. Chargers at 21, I think. Yeah. So um, Kincaid is the what, what you would call the flex slash maybe a U tight end. He's like Hawkinson. Um, he is going to catch a lot of passes. He's the best patch-catching tight end probably in the draft in terms of the full package. Uh, he's terrific at catching, like, Pretty much anything out of area. He's a really good athlete, all this stuff. He is not going to be doing much, I don't think, with his hand on the ground. I don't think he's going to be doing a ton in terms of run blocking. Some, not a ton. Uh, Mayer Mm. is, I think, he's the best contested catch guy, but also he's probably closer to being able to do flex U and Y. The Y tight end would be your heavy, kind of like your extra tackle. I don't think Mayer can yeah. be an H-back. I don't think he can move around much on that. Um, Darnell is 
a Y and a U who can also flex, I doubt H back, but like that's the difference. As Darnell is a blocker who can also flex out and catch the pat catch the ball. And I'm afraid in today's world here of too many people watching college Long football. Tennis. Yeah, watching college football and only looking at star ratings that they have now decided that tight end blocking is akin to like taking a charge in AEU basketball. Like you just, if you do it once you've done it and you've proven you can do it like, Oh my God, folks. Like if you ask <laughs> some of these college tight ends to squat down and get into a stance and take on some of these dudes in NFL camp, they're going to get like destroyed. Like it's not even, they don't even get taught. Like, so that yeah. is, that's the conversation. And when you find a guy who really knows how to do it, and cares about it, like Washington, because he blocks like an offensive lineman, like a good one. Yeah, um, yeah, no doubt. That might be worth the, the the jump, and I don't think that you were wrong to think about that. Very interesting. And just like with the needs that they've kind of addressed, like, it, it, again, it gives them options. Um, yeah. Bringing back Vitae means you probably don't need to draft a guy in the second round to be your guard of the future. You could probably wait a year, or you can maybe get one him, in, again, himself, a third and two fits based on this scenario. So right. yeah. you can draft like who's that USC lineman that like tore his ACL or whatever. Oh yeah. Like, uh, yes. Yep. I'm sure you can get him on a discount and sure. like, get him in here. And then, you know, in the fifth round maybe have yeah. him redshirt a year and bring red him in shirt. to start. You know, <laughs> yeah. There you go. So they've got like options. Um, and again, you're not like addressing every position with the draft. Like, I think people see all the all the assets they have, and they're like, "Oh, we can fill this spot. We can do this. We can do that. We can do that." Like, some of this is going to be used for the future. Some of it is not going to be this sort of glaring need. And it's going to surprise you. Like, mm-hmm. I think <laughs> Brad Holmes is, you know, yeah, he has his own vision in mind, and I think he's going to do what he feels is best for the future of the franchise, whether yeah. that's an immediate need or you know, a guy that can help them win now, or, or you know, a guy that's you know, you're sort of building for the future. So. Again, they've got options. They've got some extra cap space to make moves still. So they're in a really good spot. And they 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 have the flexibility to make a move like this if they want. Yeah, Whether it's for a tight end or another position, a defensive tackle like Brian Brise was still there. They're like they've got options to do what they want. And I think that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. The old need chart is changing. Your camera went off, so that must be t- must mean it's time for us to, to wrap up here. But in any event, yes, I completely agree, actually, with that, Colton. That's the last. We'll leave it at that. The needs chart is changing. Uh, the drafting for needs. What's a need? I said that on Twitter the other day. What does a need mean? Sometimes it's fixing a disaster. Sometimes you need to get better at a place where you're already pretty good. So we'll see what the Lions determine their need needs that and and how they sort them uh, as time goes forward but um i think that's all for this week you got anything else uh, you want to add this week good to go um i'm all good uh don't be afraid to be great at tight end that's that's what yeah. i say <laughs> don't be afraid to be great anywhere is the is probably the lesson that we'll leave you with this week because that's what i heard from people all week like no no why would they don't do this we're not ready like hey 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 Ready or not, you better be ready by the end of this season. So it's time to go. And in any event, I think I'll do it for this week. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show and to The Athletic. we got a deal running right now, I believe. A dollar, yes. dollar will get you in, uh, which is always a great deal. One of the better ones that we run the whole year. Uh, so check that out on either Colton or I stories for sure. Uh, and until then, we'll talk to you next week. Be good to each other. Uh, take care. 